to fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. Welcome to episode six of State of Fear. I'm your host Chris, and with me, as always, is James. Good evening, folks. Well, uh, today is going to be quite an interesting episode. Um, we are doing neither uh, Bigfoot nor UFO nor probing nor abduction. No, we are doing the man, the myth, the legend, a true folk, a legend. I guess you would call this guy the Colorado cannibal. A.K.A. Alfred Packer. Yeah. Anybody who's been to the state of Colorado, where I grew up, this, uh-huh. you know, this is my house. Yeah. This this literally happened in my backyard. This guy is a legend throughout the state. No matter what it was, you know, no matter what he did, mm-hmm. this guy is a, is he's... He's infamous. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's everywhere in Colorado. He's on all the merchandise. He's, oh, wow. You know, he's in stores. They've got Alfred Packer jackets. Yeah, really? They've even got Alfred Packer knives and forks and Oh, shit. wow. That, I mean, it's that pretty- is great. That's hilarious. <laughs> they For do. For all your human flesh eating needs. That's right. But before we get into our episode today, let's go to the weird news of the day, which will be brought to you by Chris. Okay, so the weird news of the day uh, is coming from the New York Post. Oh, Lord. Um, it's actually something that happened or was reported on just today, January 24th, 2020. Was Bigfoot just spotted roaming the mountains of Washington State? I've heard that. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or Yeti. Call it what you will, but most agree the furry, cold-weather giant is just folklore, unless you're the Washington State Department of Transportation. On Wednesday, the state agency shared images from their traffic cameras showing a snowy landscape alongside State Route 20 in Ferry County. Upon closer inspection, the WSDOT points out there appears to be a dark bipedal figure in the distance. Sasquatch spotted! <laughs> the WSDOT uh, proclaimed on Twitter, quote, I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. Have you noticed something strange on our Sherman Pass slash SR20 webcam before? If you look closely by the tree on the left, there looks to be something. Might be Sasquatch. We will leave that up to you. End quote. Now I know why it sounds familiar. What's that? I actually heard this on Ground Zero last night. Oh, did you? Yes, wow, because nice. they were talking about Bigfoots last night and That's the legends. Right. The ma- the legends, the myths, the and they were actually discussing quite a few different uh 
I guess you'd call it theories as to his existence and what he really is. Like he's oh, a yeah. hybrid bear of some sort or they can walk on back feet or stuff like that. There's, there's all kinds of things. There, there's all kinds of, of theories with, with uh, what Bigfoot might or might not be. And, and nobody, what's funny is that it, it, it's all theories on a creature, on Bigfoot. But they range from the supernatural to the natural to the extra dimensional. But no, none of those fields like each other. That is true. Like the supernatural don't get along with the natural. Nope. The natural don't get along with the extra dimensional version who don't get along with the the idea that they're they're aliens or workers of alien beings. All the same creature, different theories. Yep. They do not get along with each other. Yeah, and according to one of the descriptions, a one of the stories when the guys was talking about how he approached this thing, it looked just like a dude sitting there. Yeah. And he said it turned around and looked at him, and it had a very flat face. He said it looked like somebody whacked it in the face with a shovel. Right, yeah. It says the nose was mashed down and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking in my, you know, I was thinking immediately orangutan. That's the first thing I see, because right. I know they describe Bigfoot in many forms, but I'm almost always... Some kind of ape-like creature. Yeah, always. So, yeah, yeah, that's how he described him. He didn't actually have a protruding face. He had a flat face with a weird flat nose. Yeah. He just described him really strange. So, the story continues. The far-fetched tweet attracted social media's finest pseudoscientists who were quick to dismiss the claims, as many noted that the figure seemed more like a man wearing a dark hoodie and a backpack. Quote, looks like a guy in all black sweats with a hoodie and backpack, quote, said one skeptic. I'm convinced now. Great. Another person assumed a lot about the local government's Photoshop skills. They wrote, quote, why is there no snow on the all black, quote unquote, Sasquatch? At least sprinkle some fake snow on his black fur next time, end quote. (laughs) Then the Twitter account for Snoqualmie Pass, about 250 miles west, came to back up SWDOT's tale. Quote, I think Bigfoot is making the rounds across our mountain passes at WSDOT underscore East showed him on Sherman Pass the other day, and now he's in the wildlife overcrossing on I-90 just east of Snoqualmie Pass. Hashtag, do you believe? Quote, unquote, they tweeted. Um, and there's a yeah, there's a video attached to the story of, of I think it's, it's a pretty fake-looking Bigfoot crossing the field. Oh, jeez. Soon, even more Washington government agencies joined in on the farce. The Twitter for SWDOT Southwest Region tweeted a gif of Fox Mulder, David Duchovny of X-Files, saying... I want to believe. Then Washington's Secretary of State added some historical context to the legend. The creature is so tied with the region that Governor Dan Evans proclaimed, quote, the great Sasquatch, end quote, to be the official state monster in 1970. The official state monster? Official state monster. Well, I mean, he's infamous, he's infamous in the Pacific Northwest. That oh, is yeah. his playground. That, that, that's his stomping grounds for sure. I mean, he's been spotted all over, but that is his main hood. Oh, yeah. The elusive beast has frequently been associated with the mountain ranges of the Pacific Northwest, though sightings have been reported across the globe. In Georgia, there's an entire museum dedicated to the half-man, half-ape, which may have indeed existed some 200 million years ago, according to a 2019 study published in the journal Nature. 200 million? 200 million years ago. That's pre-dinosaur. No, dinosaurs, I think they died 65, 65. million years ago. But yeah, I so guess it's after dinosaurs. I'm... 200 million? No, 2 million. Oh, you said 2 million. Yeah, I said 2 million. Okay, edit that. Sorry. I thought you said 200 million. No. Joke or not, one local was not at all amused to see how their tax dollars were being spent. Quote, WSDOT, we really paying you to waste time on Twitter. And quote, they complained. And that's the story. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So there's and a, that's great because that's like what yesterday you said twenty fourth, yeah, right? T- today twenty fourth. Yeah, and I heard that on the show last, last night. night. Yeah. Yep. So there's pro- probably a Bigfoot being spotted on Cam. Probably not. We don't yeah. know, but uh, yeah. So that is. Well, the, see, uh, you know, I usually wouldn't be asleep at that time. I'm up listening for a commercial to play and all this stuff. So it's like, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> And with that, let's uh, go ahead and get to the uh, story of the day, James. Take it away. Uh, The reason we swap places this week, like I said, Colorado is near and dear to my heart. I grew up here. I was born here in Houston, but I was raised up there. So when we we came around to Colorado, I said, you know, on this one, I'm sorry. I'm Michael Jackson, you Tito. So I'm driving. Let's do it. I'm driving this bus. All right. Title of this article is Alfred Packer and the Remains of His Victims. In the winter of 1874, Alfred Packer was hired to lead a group of prospectors through the San Juan Mountains from the winter campsite of Chief Uray, located near the present-day Delta, Colorado, which is a pit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, it is. If anybody from Colorado, my friends, are listening, I'm sorry, but Delta sucks. (laughs) I used to hate to play football there. This turned out to be a particularly harsh winter in the Lake Fork drainage area. Deep snowdrifts and sub-zero temperatures slowed the party and supplies soon ran out. Wild game was non-existent, according to Alfred Packer, and there were no fish to be found in the frozen-over streams and lakes, which uh, I was telling Chris earlier as bullshit. Sorry, ice fishing is very good in Colorado. So this, this fool's lying. By the time the men had reached the foot of Slumgullion Pass, the men had even chewed the leather from their boots. Now, Jeez. I do remember hearing this. They were wow. eating their clothes because there was nothing to eat. They were eating their saddles, uh, and I do believe they even slaughtered a pack mule. Oh, wow. Because, you know, Gotta in the old food. days when you're traveling yeah, from Delta to this to where Slumgullion is, yeah. about 70, 80 miles. And in the old days, 70, 80 miles in the snow is a week you know, that's a week to two weeks travel, yeah. and you're talking seven, eight guys, you know, starving oh, yeah. to death, so they're going to eat something. I'm sure back in those days, they went uphill with no shoes, right? It was crazy. That's right. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Starvation was upon them. What was a man to do to survive in the winter of 1874? Six weeks later, Packer appeared alone at the Los Pinos Indian Agency near Sawatch. That's another reason I wanted to read this story, because all these crazy Colorado names, you'd be like, Saguchi? What? It's a town called Sawatch. That's about 50 miles away from, 50, 60 miles away from Lake City. Oh, okay. So, it took him about six weeks traveling alone. Okay. There, he told the sad tale of losing his fellow miners in a snowstorm. But he seemed so well fed and... (laughs) And was, and was spending money freely from several wallets. Sure, he was well fed. <laughs> yep. The story began to unfold when strips of human flesh were found. Unfold my ass. <laughs> they, they went in there. They literally went to his horses to check yeah. him out and uh-huh. found strips and chunks of human flesh in Damn. his saddlebags. Wow. I do remember that. They had apparently been murdered and showed, and then showed evidence of being cannibalized. Nice. 
Yeesh. Wow, that's why he was so well fed. Yep. Packer escaped and was at large for many years. When he was captured, he was tried at the Hinsdale County Courthouse, which still stands today and is in my hometown of Lake City. And he was found guilty of murder. He was sentenced to be hanged on May 19, 1883, but won a new trial in Gunnison, where I went to high school. Nice. All right, man. All <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. There, he was convicted of five counts of murder and was sentenced to 40 years in the state penitentiary at Cannon City. Now, the problem is there were actually seven minors with him. Okay. So I don't know why he only got five counts. Who knows? Packer never accepted blame for murdering all five of his companions. There were more. But he did admit to shooting and killing Wilson Bell in self-defense. Israel Swan, the oldest member of the party, died of natural causes, stated Packer, and he was cannibalized by surviving members of the party. There you go. That was one of them. Now, I know he admitted to that one, because mm-hmm. I remember hearing about it, and they just basically had no choice. There was nothing to eat, Yeah. and they. I think he had... Uh, he was, they were thinking about bringing him. I think they had his body with him. They just, like, cut his legs off or something like that. Oh, okay. That. And that's why he wasn't convicted of the other one, of uh, yeah. Wilson Bell, because it was self-defense. Self-defense. So that's two right so there. So they claim. Denver Post columnist Polly Pry launched a crusade on Packer's behalf. He was paroled in 1901 and spent his final days near Littleton, Colorado, outside of Denver. Packer died in April 1907 after suffering a stroke, and he is buried in the cemetery at Littleton. National attention was focused on Lake City the summer of 1989 as a team of archaeologists and forensic experts unearthed the grave of five men who had been murdered 115 years earlier. And I know exactly where this spot is. Oh, do you? They have it preserved and fenced. You can actually go down. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's right there outside Lake City. When you're driving in from Slum Going Pass, you come down. Okay. And there's a little ranch right there. It's on private land, but they have it. They have it preserved, and you can get down to it if you want to. Cool. I want to go someday. Yeah. I am going to do that one of these days for sure. Did Packer kill all five of his companions and then live off their flesh for weeks? Yes. Did they kill each other? No. <laughs> or would the scientists find nothing beneath the memorial boulder which ha- which lists the names of those unfortunate men? James Humphreys, Frank Miller. Gotta hope. I wish it was the Frank Miller that wrote that bullshit Batman Superman crap. <laughs> what, the movie or the comic? Both. I hate that fucker. The comic's great. The movie sucked. No, oh, I hate Frank Miller. He's a jackass. Okay. Anyway, but that's just my personal opinion. Sorry, folks. George Moon, Israel Swan, and Wilson Bell. In the summer of 1989, a team led by Dr. James Stars of George Washington University exhumed the bones of the victims for a scientific study at the Human Identification Lab in Tucson, Arizona. They concluded that the bones did show evidence of cannibalism and violent deaths. He actually had pickaxed them to death. Holy shit. Yeah, he used his... his there were miners... So he used his mining tools to kill them. Wow. Uh, holes in the skulls, things like that. Damn. See, that's what's cool about this story. I'm, I'm into this because this is like, me growing up, this is part of my life. So this Also, is... I think I just thought of a new band name, Holes in the Skulls. Holes in the Skulls. Holes in the Skulls, yeah. Nice. The remains were then returned to Lake City and reinterred on August 15th in a multi-denominational service. The bones from each skeleton were placed in one of five compartments in a single wooden box. Damn. The remains of these five prospectors again rest peacefully 
on the bluff overlooking the Lake Fork. All right. Now, I will say this. The grave, when they exhumed it, yeah. was only a mere two feet deep. He had barely covered them with dirt. That Okay, that amazes me because they he buried them in 18, 1800s. Mm-hmm. And he only buried them two feet deep, but yet in that hundred years, the soil did not erode enough to where it was exposed. That's no. crazy. Well, because first of all, there uh, when when it freezes in Colorado, uh-huh. the ground is like concrete. Uh, so the reason he was okay. only about two feet deep is probably as, as much as he could manage to dig. Surprised animals didn't dig them up. Two feet not very deep. Yeah, you would think a bear or something crawling back because bears like dead meat. They don't yeah. like to kill. I know it, that sounds odd, but it's true. They're yeah. more scavengers right. than they are killers. Except for salmon. They're, they, they get they them look... salmon. They fucked them salmon. Up. Yeah. Um, the article continues. The facts concerning the Alfred Packer trial between November 1873 and January 1874, Alfred Packer traveled with a party of 21 men from Utah to Chief Uray's camp outside of what is now Montrose, Colorado, mm. which is the first town I lived in when we moved there. When nice. I was little. So this is like, holy crap, this is memory lane. Going back. Packer and five other men from the party left Uray's camp in early February, bound for the Los Pinos Agency, about 35 to 40 miles northwest of Sawatch. Packer was the only member of the party to appear at the agency on April 16, 1874. While there, he gave his first confession regarding the death of his companions. He was placed in Sawatch jail, from which he would escape with assistance in early August. Nine years passed before Packer was captured near Fort Fetterman, Wyoming, in March of 1883. He then made his famous second confession about the deaths. I had heard an alternate story to this. Okay. That he went to the grave denying that he murdered these guys. I have heard several versions, but one of the stronger stories is he, to his dying day, mm-hmm. you know, he confessed, he, he, or he professed that he never killed these guys. Hmm. Packer's first trial occurred in the upstairs courtroom of the Hinsdale County yes, courthouse <laughs> during the first two weeks of April 1883. He was found guilty. His conviction was reversed, however, on October 30th, 1885, and a second trial took place in Gunnison, yes, in eight, and <laughs> I can't help it, I'm, this, <laughs> I'm loving this, in August of 1886. At that time, he was sentenced to 40 years in the Colorado Penitentiary. In January 1901, Governor Thomas paroled Packer. He moved to the Denver area where he remained until his death on April 23, 1907. Damn, he only got six more years of freedom, huh? Six more years. Wow. But he was in there for a while. Yeah, he was. He definitely Um, was. He actually had a huge following of people that were supporting him for some reason. Uh I guess he had friends and stuff like that, and I guess he had a decent reputation before he struck out with these people as a fairly decent guy. When he was out there, I guess, you know, even the best men, it comes a time of desperation. You know, like I said, they ate the one dead son of a bitch. Right. You know, he died, they ate him up, mm-hmm. and then they're out again, and they're starving to death. Yeah. I mean, they were out there for weeks in dead cold gotta with very little supplies. You gotta know, eat, so, Gotta eat something. So, gotta eat something. Yeah. And then he, he went to work, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, do I think he actually did it? Yeah. I do. Uh-huh. Uh, like I said, there was too much, there was too much evidence, but then again, it was also like the, they said evidence of cannibalism. Yeah. The bones in the ground for that long, we're talking a hundred years in a shallow grave. Yeah. 
could have been fiddled with and just, you know, because after years after years of dirt flowing. Right. Then again, they, uh, and that's like I said, because they exhumed them mm-hmm. and they said, oh, there's evidence of cannibalism, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and violence, yeah. It, you know, and it could have been. They could have been chewed on by animals before he managed to bury them. But I, I think forensic scientists can tell the difference between a uh, animal bite and a human bite. Then again, I don't think he was holding somebody's femur and chomping down. He but stripped they, flesh from their bone. Yeah, they said flesh, but I'm thinking more muscle. But they they found strips of flesh on him. So in his in his saddlebags. Yeah, and, and I mean that's that's a hint and a half for your ass. Yeah, so he's 1800s Jeffrey Dahmer. You know. Well, I mean, I mean. It, <laughs> I mean, you know, in the Colorado 1800s, it's still sort of a, uh, it's on a wild, unexplored territory. It's, it's very Absolutely. sparse. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's very dense. I mean, it can you can you can get lost, you can get stuck. I mean, the Dahmer Party had the same issue. Exactly. You know, and so. to this day, Lake City is the only city, the only town in the entire Hinsdale County. Okay. That is the largest county in Colorado, and it is the least populated. Wow. When I lived there as a kid, 200 people. And Colorado was, was, a, the, was the indigenous population. Colorado is a pretty famous state. I mean, it's I pretty. Think, I think it's about five or six hundred now yeah. year round. You know, year round. Yeah. And it swells. I mean, there's wow. a lot of houses up there. I have a house up there. Yeah. And so, but yeah, it's spread way out. But back then, there was nothing. It's even worse. It, it is literally yeah. fifty miles one way to Creed, mm-hmm. which is the other way, which is another mining town. Okay. And then the other way is fifty something miles. It's fifty five miles to Gunnison, which they mentioned in the story. Either way, on the other ways, same thing. And if you're caught in a bad so- uh, snowstorm, I mean, you're, you're not really going to go very far. Desperation will definitely drive you to it's, do some crazy shit. And snow blindness, can, you know, you get lost, and before you know it, you just you die of hypothermia. That's you know, it. You're a popsicle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at that point, if you're if you're uh, hunkered down with some people and somebody dies, you know, fillet yeah. his ass. Like I said, and they actually had the jail cell that they had him locked up in. Mm-hmm. Was in the city park down there in Lake City for about 40 years. Oh, wow. Big solid iron. I mean, it was outside the whole time, too, and that sucker held up. I was oh, like, wow. damn. <laughs> you know, they, used to have it, they used to have it next to this caboose, and you know, people, and it was a tourist attraction. People yeah. go in there and lock them in and take a picture of Alfred Parker Stadium. <laughs> That's where they, before they extradited him for his trial and stuff like uh, that. Okay. And then he, then like I said, he escaped. Hid for nine years. They right. finally caught his ass, put him it's back in jail. a long time jail. to hide. That's awesome. It is. But, but it's sparse. In those like times, you, you can hide. You can hide. Yeah. I could go up there right now yeah. and disappear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're going to cheat and use heat vision and shit, then oh. I'm going to predator your ass and roll in the mud or whatever. But you can <sighs> literally vanish yeah. back in those woods. Oh, yeah. So Man. I am actually surprised they found those bodies, to be honest with you. I was like, holy shit. But I feel like at this point... Actually, no, I take that back. They didn't find the bodies. Why did I even say that? They didn't find the bodies until 1800s because they took accounts of the stories oh, of what he was talking about in the okay. general area of where the murders took place, and they used ground radar to try to locate the bones. And gotcha. they found the bones. Okay, that makes more sense. That's right. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. I should be ashamed of myself. Nah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> All right, man, that was pretty cool, man. That was an interesting story. I, I had never yeah. heard of Alfred Packer before, but then again, I'm not from Colorado. He's literally the most notorious story of the entire state. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of cool stories, but he's like on the front burner almost on every, you know, when you talk about it, tourism and stuff like that, he's yeah. like everywhere. I, I feel like he is Colorado's version of Ed Gein. Yeah. And I feel like the only reason Ed Gein is more famous is because 
of his influences on movies. Buffalo Bob. He was influenced Buffalo, Bill. Buffalo Bill and Buffalo Tons of Bob. Lambs. This, Buffalo ain't, Bob. this ain't howdy doody shit. He was the influence Sorry. for uh, Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And he was the influence for Psycho. Yeah. Norman Bates. So yep. I think if he hadn't been the influence for those three, I feel like he would have been a state legend, much like Alfred Packer was. Yeah. Because I think if Alfred Packard had had some sort of a movie or some sort of famous character modeled after him, we would have heard about him. Because I hadn't heard about him until you brought him up. Well, so I say, because he's been, they, they, Colorado hogs this guy. Yeah. He, he's, he's one of their legendary or notorious people. Yeah. So, yeah, they keep his legend there for tourism's sake. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're not going to spread him. You know, you ain't going to hear about Alfred but, Packard no New York. But why not? Because then people want to go visit him. True crime buffs would want to go and visit and say, Colorado and say, and check see, this shit. Yeah. yeah. People go and travel to Wisconsin all the time to see Ed Gein's, uh farm. Yeah, well, they can't. So, wow. I mean, Colorado, you need to get your head out your ass. <laughs> you need to start promoting Alfred Packer more. I guarantee you'll get true crime fans up there visiting, spending their tourist dollars, and strengthen your economy. And this is not a political talk show. No, they, they just smoke a lot of dope, brother. Even more a reason. A whole lot of dope. You will get even more tourists up there to smoke your dope and check out your true crime Alfred it, Packer Absolutely. Site. Yeah. Catch a river raft, do some camping. There you go. And do smoke a little, some do, more weed. Do a little ghost hunting for some Alfred Packer victims. And then know. smoke some weed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks again, James, for taking the reins on this one. Yes, sir. Great story. And uh, we will see you folks uh, next episode. Peace. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for the personal encounter stories coming up right now. The following personal encounter story comes to us from 66Flycaster on Reddit, used with his permission. I'm a 53-year-old experienced outdoorsman. I live in the mountains of northwest Colorado. And I've worked as a fishing guide and have spent many nights camping in the backcountry. The area where I live is surrounded by a national forest. Having lived in several cities, I've always been more comfortable in the woods than anywhere. I've spent weeks fishing, hiking, and camping in remote areas of Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. I've encountered many black bears and a few grizzlies. Mountain lions are elusive, so I've only seen one. Occasionally, I see fresh tracks and have the feeling of being watched. Only been scared a few times in the woods. Only twice have I been terrified and have had no good explanation for either event. I decided to go on an afternoon hike one day. I like this particular trail where I park about six miles from home. I saw one other truck there. I drank some water and ate a sandwich before locking everything up, including my phone and my gun, in the truck. I intentionally travel light so I can move fast. Only planned about 30 minutes and 30 back, wearing running shoes, shorts, t-shirt, and a bright yellow baseball hat. Notably, the hat is so obnoxiously bright that friends say it probably scares fish. I began running about 2 p.m. as the first few miles are relatively flat. Trails follow a creek that flow off a mountain through a canyon. There are several trails that branch off heading up into the mountains. I prefer a particular trail that follows the edge of the canyon with the creek flowing below. It's absolutely gorgeous. Before the trail gets steep, it takes you through a large aspen grove. There is a point about 30 minutes in where I plan to turn around. The trail becomes increasingly less worn and more difficult beyond this point. I have hiked that area many times. Something felt off this time. I didn't feel normal. I moved through the aspen grove before taking a steep trail up a mountain when I got a strange feeling. I stopped and noticed it was quiet. 
something made me look up the mountain to the right at a point several hundred yards above. I noticed a large granite rock formation. The area is off trail, so I'd never looked there before. I thought I saw movement, probably a black bear as they are common. I was curious, so I pressed on, definitely not scared at this point, but noticed the silence. I continued hiking and reached the point where I'd planned to turn around, decided to hike further, hoping to see what caught my eye earlier. The trail becomes overgrown and harder to follow at this point, so I had been farther than this before, but never off trail. I noticed an aspen tree bent over the trail. It had been uprooted and broken off. The tree was green, so it was odd. Could have been a lightning strike, but wasn't clear. Walked maybe another eighth of a mile, and then took the right off a trail heading in the directions of the granite rocks. I wasn't concerned about getting lost, since it was easy to orientate myself with the canyon and creek. I hiked up the trail toward the large meadow with many granite boulders. Reflecting on it now, something was compelling me to the meadow. I climbed, scrambling up the hill to get where I could sit. Got to the meadow and noticed the rocks. It looked like, looked like a granite fortress. I sat down on a log and enjoyed the scenery. Looking down into the canyon and the creek below, the meadow and rocks were behind me. Looking around, I didn't see any animals. and I suddenly noticed it was dead quiet. It had been a sunny, warm day with birds and bugs everywhere. Wasn't scared yet, but noticed the extreme silence. I could hear the creek before, so it wasn't as startling as it is now. I began taking off my running shoes. Notable as this isn't something I normally do, since I have permanent nerve damage to my right ankle. I walk and run with a limp and sometimes wear a brace. I remember feeling like my feet were burning. It wasn't particularly hot, wasn't over 70 degrees Fahrenheit. I was becoming unnerved by the dead silence and started tying my shoes. This is where things turned weird. I clearly heard my father call me by my first name. The voice was loud and came from behind. I talked to my father earlier in the day. He was at his home in Georgia. No way he was calling me from the rocks behind. Immediately, I became overcome with fear. Difficult to describe how overwhelming it was. I began sweating and shaking. It was like knowing a lion is stalking me without seeing it, but more terrifying. Definitely not fucking around at this point. I stood up and looked behind me and saw nothing but large granite rocks. I started hauling ass down the hills toward the canyon and trail below, absolutely terrified, and I was feeling like something was chasing me. I literally stumbled and fell and rolled down the mountain. I got back up but couldn't recognize anything. It looked completely different. No canyon, creek, or a trail. It was cloudy and I wasn't in the same place anymore. At this point, I started hauling ass in what I thought was the right direction. And eventually, I found the trail and recognized my location. I sprinted through the aspen grove back to the truck. I didn't look at my watch, not sure how long I was gone. I was so terrified I could hardly drive home. Not sure what happened, but I've never been so afraid in my life. I know something was stalking and chasing me. Yes, I have gone back to the area from time to time, but I'm too afraid to go to the same meadow with the granite boulders. I've considered going back, but well-armed but my instincts tell me it's a bad place. I will never hike again without my 357 and haven't since. Something scared the hell out of me, and I feel like I was close to being a victim. I trust that my flight instinct kicked in for a good reason.